Hello, it's my distinct pleasure today to introduce you to somebody who combines the best of two very distinct disciplines, the skill and artistry of the architect and the sensibility of the sociologist. His name is Alwi Sha'af and he was born in Indonesia but educated at university in architecture in Berlin, Germany. He came back to Indonesia to pursue a very good career in architecture and interior design, including some very notable projects like the Aula Sinfonia Concert Hall, where he was project director. And for those of you who know that hall, you will know not only is it beautiful, but has exceptional acoustics. Now he's gone on from his architecture, his development um, role, because he was director of Lipo Karawachi for five years as well, so he knows the development side of buildings extremely well. But now he's pursuing a second academic career at the University of Indonesia in sociology. And it's in that um, vein that I wanted to interview him because he is a building developer, an architect, and somebody who is now putting the skills of the sociologist into that uh, mix to try and create what I think he describes as a just city. Not just a sustainable city, but a city that is just and equitable to all. Let's listen to what he has to say. Welcome, Alwi, to this interview. I hope that you are well in this COVID pandemic and look forward to discussing this in detail with you. Thank you, Alistair. Good morning. I hope all of us are healthy and uh, being blessed by God that we can still uh, live together and being healthy in our, our condition. Now, with, thank you very much. As Look, we're hoping we'll start to come out of this COVID pandemic. We've had a little bit of a setback recently with the, the Delta var variant and so on and so forth, but we're now in the position to think we can build back better. The problem is, what is better? What is the meaning of better? What's your concept? Well, given the background you have in both in architecture and in sociology, um, and I believe you're now pursuing a PhD which combines both of those fields, um, the livability of cities and the way in which we live. Given your background, what do you think the concept of a great city environment should be? Um, interesting question, and it's touching directly to the uh, problem of the COVID. Uh, also interesting enough that the first week of this uh, month in June, the EIU, European Intelligence Unit, has published the list of the most uh, livable cities in the world. And it uh, has the first rank, uh, in, uh, for Auckland and then followed by Osaka and Adelaide, uh, I think Wellington, Tokyo, Perth and uh, other cities coming uh, as following. So the, the index examines over 30 differences uh, uh, factors across the five categories, indicators as stability, healthcare, uh, culture, environment and uh, education and infrastructure. So in this time, I would say uh, the EIU and all other uh, components are looking strongly to the um, 
COVID issue to the healthcare issue. And I think these cities which has been elected has um, put a lot of uh, identity and put a lot of uh, strength and put a lot of uh, concerns in how the cities has been developed and been then elected to be uh, the 10 most uh, um, livable cities in the world. And uh, to uh, be more specific, I would say uh, the WHO and the UN claiming that the 90% of the virus spread is taking place in cities. Then I think we should say that the cities are the epicentrums. Um, I may go to the to touch the uh, issue about the globalization. Yes, the globalization has done plenty of benefits for this world and giving a lot of prosperities to companies and to cities and to uh, uh, peoples. But at the same time, the globalization also brought disaster, including the uh, virus. Yeah. So without that globalization, I would say uh, virus won't spread that uh, fast and that intense. Yeah. Now, as human, I think we all are builders and at the same time, we are all are destroyers. We somehow think that the, the marvel of architecture and cities that we have built uh, are great and useful for the human, but at the same time, we forget how uh, this uh, uh, architecture, how these cities, the marvels of those what we have built could be used for human. Now, under the threat of this pandemic, uh, we are unlikely, have no space to hide, hardly to escape. Looking at our condition, working from home, the only option is hiding in the middle of the four walls and without any ability to enjoy all those marvels that we have been created or we claim to have created. Now coming to the uh, definition better, I would say I am a lover of the European uh, type of cities. Um, and uh, I also have to say that, uh, and this is proven that most of the cities in Europe are human oriented, human scale, they are walkable, the, a lot of public spaces, the, a lot of public parks, and in a size, they are not that large. Yeah? So it's manageable and uh, somehow self-sufficient. While the American and the Asian cities uh, tends to be much larger in scale, um, very much car oriented, not walkable. Um, as sample, I do not hesitate to uh, mention uh, Jakarta as one of these categories. Yeah? But uh, cities has to be built in more reasonable sizes, avoiding the long commute, commute time. Uh, it has to be walkable. And nowadays uh, they are trending to say that it has to be a 15 minute cities. That means that you are able to arrive into any direction or any uh, destination within the 15 minutes. Now, looking back to the uh, cities have been elected to the most uh, livable cities, uh, talking about the sizes, um, then we can argue that Tokyo and Osaka, Osaka has 19 million, uh, Tokyo has uh, 13.85 million and 38 in the grid metro, but they are uh, ranked in the second and the seventh place. So what, what caused that? I would say uh, those both cities have uh, tried always to be uh, advanced uh, in their urban planning. So those cities, though, are very much uh, car-oriented as well. Uh, you can also see highways everywhere in the cities, like 
Tokyo. But uh, the municipality have uh, worked out tremendously. And if you go to uh, some area in Tokyo, like uh, Shinjuku, like uh, uh, Ginza, uh, Omote Sando, and so on, you will see that they are much, uh, very much people oriented. They are much human oriented. People are still walking on the street. People are still able to enjoy the street. People are still able to uh, communicate with the building uh, next to the pedestrian. Uh, though there are cars uh, passing by, there are a lot of uh, um, highways around the area, but you feel that you are, you are treated as human. I think uh, uh, those categories have been um, very much uh, uh, work out by these two cities. And I hope that cities like Jakarta, who has already been built as uh, car-oriented as it is now, and as large boulevard as it is now, we are still having chances to go to be one of the most liberal cities. Yeah? Um, Osaka uh, have, for example, consistently fast well for livability due to its compact uh, size. So they organize the urban planning, the connectivities, and also managing the low cost uh, of living. Yeah? While that are the issues in other places or other cities in other part of the world is the cost of living getting higher and higher. Um, I would urge uh, the city builders or the city developers both uh, public and as well as the uh, private to prioritizing to build the people. I mean, look at the, the situation in Jakarta yeah, where we are claiming the COVID situation is not well managed, but how could it be managed when all those people are living in the dense area, so dense that they are hardly could move and they are coming from uh, low-income people, not high education, and certainly they are not proper hygiene condition, um, and very much community-based, meaning that people are getting always uh, 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 around with each other. So how could we expect uh, the spread of this virus can be handled in such kind of situation? So my argument is then uh, that if we are not building the people, firstly, we are not concentration in building the people. We are not concentration to build the people uh, uh, improvement or the uh, what you call the, the uh, culture of a better living or uh, in the city. I mean, the, the building of the physical uh, cities will just be continuing destroying the human. Um, Churchill, uh, Winston Churchill has once uh, uh, said that first we build the buildings and then the buildings will shape us. So if we do not build the proper uh, uh, society, we are not be able to build the proper city. And for that reason, the city won't also shape the people. So these are the, the uh, uh, the, the circle that we need to uh, review uh, and then also to restart to see what is the priority when we are building the cities. So not only the economical achievement uh, to, to be uh, uh, focusing, but focusing in human. 
So when human is not focused uh, as the orientation of the, uh, or as the priority of our city development or city planning, I think we are not going to anywhere. So to answer your question, what is a better world or better cities? I would say a better city will be a place where we are prioritizing human. Very well argued um, introduction to this uh, interview, are we? Uh, the, one of the distinctions that people often forget is the difference between economic welfare and actual welfare. By mm -hmm. adding economic onto it, it seems to make it better, but actually it narrows it down. And uh, it's, not a, it's not a good way of looking at it. a lot of Asian uh, development has been based on economic welfare rather than the broader definition of welfare. Now, I absolutely agree with you about European cities. Um, coming from Scotland myself, where we have 1765, James Craig laid out the plan for the new town of Edinburgh, and it still works today. It's a great city to walk around. And a lot of the American cities were based on his grid plan as well, uh, though not quite as walkable as, as the European cities. Absolutely uh, right. Make it human, make it uh, livable. Now, a, a very funny little point on the way past in speaking to the Japanese ambassador the other day about the infrastructure in Osaka, he mm -hmm. said the underground in Osaka, while being comprehensive, is very difficult for the Japanese, non-Osaka Japanese, to understand how to use it. It's very complicated, um, which is quite funny. But they do have a comprehensive underground system and above ground, as you say, people walk. We don't do that in yes, Jakarta. Yeah. Now, um, I talked about the very uh, the, the grid plan that James Craig put forward for one of the first modern cities put that 300 years ago uh, in Edinburgh in Scotland. But what, what do you think the guiding principles should be when looking at city planning? What, uh, who are you inspired by to make a city great? Um, lately, I, I'm, uh... I have read a lot of uh, articles and books uh, uh, from uh, uh, American um, sociologists and also urban planner named uh, Susan Feinstein. Yeah. She published the book uh, about the uh, Just City, which uh, has three dimensions according to her. First dimension is the uh, equity, means that uh, the city has to be able to distribute uh, equality to, to people. Uh, second uh, dimension is the uh, diversity, meaning that the city has to be diverse. Yeah. And uh, if you look at the uh, characteristic of this di diversity, it has the diversity in terms of uh, multi uh, types of buildings and also multi types of uh, uh, people living in that cities. Yeah. So there is no discrimination that means. And then the third dimension is the uh, democracy, meaning that uh, when a city to, uh, has to be planned or to be built, uh, it should involve, or uh, the municipality uh, has to involve the people, the community uh, to uh, discuss about what is the needs or what are the needs of the, the people and how they see the cities and how they vision the city. So these three, uh, dimensions are very uh, uh, 
practical and also very important to my personal in, uh, interpretation. And I would say uh, that could be very well used uh, for uh, urban planning. So, I mean, if you start to build a city or you start to plan a city without uh, being able to uh, spread the equality, without being able to uh, absorb this diversity and without being able to uh, do it democratically, I do not think that that city will be functioning well uh, for people. Yeah. Uh, the second name I would like to highlight is uh, Dutch-American uh, sociologist uh, named Saskia Sassen, who has uh, a lot of uh, uh, journals uh, and also books uh, uh, written towards the uh, theme of the global city. So um, Saskia Sassen has uh, pointed out that we cannot reduce cities to the status of money makers, which today unfortunately happening with more and more in the great cities. And the way Saskia Sassens look at the cities, he uh, uh, relate uh, the globalization, meaning when the globalization comes into one area and it becomes the global city, which doesn't mean it has to be the whole, the entire city, but it can only be one part of the city, but the impact on it's shadowing the entire city to be the global city. And what brings the global uh, uh, city or the globalization to that city, you have the uh, privatization. If you look at uh, Jalan Sudirman, Jalan Tamrin, for example, uh, which uh, in the past, uh, there are more lands occupied by the government uh, or the UMN. Nowadays, they are more and more belongs to the private. So uh, the privatization create a, a, a development which may be uh, fair or not fair, equal, equality or not equality, and all other these aspects for the uh, social justice. And then uh, also the digitalization puts also the cities into the different uh, uh, structure. And all these uh, human uh, uh, transnational uh, humans uh, movement from other cities and from other part of the world to the global city create also the diversity, also create the, equal, uh, the inequality. So the social justice uh, uh, impact happen in everywhere. Yeah, so in uh, modifying these two uh, uh, ways of uh, uh, thinking the global city and the theory of uh, just city, I would say it's very interesting to look how we then be able to plan our cities uh, in a much better way because both of these uh, uh, ladies are looking at human, how human can be uh, included in designing a city. Although the globalization wave is so big and so strong, so powerful, that is the reason why also we need to look at the human. So how we see the human can interact with that uh, globalization, interact with all the capitalization coming into the area. And uh, the other uh, architect that I would like to mention is uh, Jan Gell. Jan Gell is a Danish uh, American architect living in Copenhagen. So uh, Jan Gell is the person behind uh, or the brain behind the transformation of New York Times Square from a busy street into a pedestrian friendly uh, uh, street in 2008. 
where is the uh, location is exactly uh, where the Broadway uh, uh, create a bow tie with the uh, 7th Avenue and around uh, uh, 42nd to 47th Street, which was a busy street. And uh, Yangel uh, suggested to the city, why don't we just uh, convert the uh, street to become a pedestrian, not without uh, uh, being uh, destroying the, the uh, road and also uh, a huge uh, um, effort to, uh, to uh, how to say, to, to uh, refurbish the, the, the street, but it's just simply closing the street, putting some uh, street furniture, simple street furniture, and waiting for how, to, uh, how the uh, people of New York and also the tourists reacting. And the reactions has been very much uh, unexpected, yeah? very well expected. Uh, the avenue uh, uh, has been uh, reducing the, uh, how to say, the uh, uh, accident uh, uh, issue to become a vehicle, vehicular uh, accident to become, for, uh, reducing to become 40%, and also uh, pedestrian uh, uh, injuries. But at the same time, it created a tremendous revenues for the stores around the area to be 40, 400%. So look how powerful are the people who look how powerful are the pedestrian. You know, at one point we may argue that uh, when we close the street uh, for pedestrian, there are no cars coming in. There are no traffic coming in. That means we are reducing the uh, economical scale in that area. But look at what uh, has uh, uh, been done in uh, Times Square. It, it's, it closed the uh, uh, pedestrian to become pedestrian. It closed the street to become pedestrian. But at the same time, the revenue has been tremendously increased to 400%. Now, Yangel always wants people to experience the city uh, on foot and in public. So he uh, said that the city has to be able to be enjoyed by people when they are walking around. In looking at the Copenhagen in the early 1970s, when uh, other part of the world are trying to build cities with uh, a lot of cars, a lot of highways, boulevard, and so on, Copenhagen started to reduce uh, the cars uh, in, in the area. So they closed plenty of these uh, uh, streets in the uh, city center and turns up uh, Copenhagen to become uh, walkable cities and reducing uh, the cars in the area and putting the cities to become very friendly. Yep, uh, I would say those are the three uh, uh, direction that I would like to see how the cities in Jakarta or Indonesia to be built or to be planned. Um, if you if we we'll walk now in Jakarta or in other part of the uh, cities in the other part of the Indonesia, say Jalan Tamrin or Jalan Sudirman, it's hardly to be able to walk. Yes, now the pedestrian has been uh, and white by the government, but what can we do in the in the pedestrian? Uh, look at also the uh, other um, cities in, uh, for example, Denpasar. When we see when we see uh, uh, Bali in also Seminyak area. There are a lot of streets, uh, 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 shops uh, around the area, but you can hardly walk. You can walk up and down. There are a lot of uh, um, rubbish everywhere. 
and uh, the pedestrians is not uh, in the one level. You have to go up and down, and all other things are, are happening in that street. Yeah, so it is difficult for us in Indonesia to walk. I'm dreaming of those uh, areas when I was remember when I was a little boy. My father took me uh, to uh, uh, have a afternoon walk or morning walk where we can walk in the cities. We can walk around and then to have. Uh, uh, some food next to the uh, uh, stores and so on, where people are still treated as human and with people are still be able to communicate. Now, when you drive the car passing by a street and you look at one area that you would like to go down, then you have to park, find a, a, a parking area to go down and then you miss all these moments. Yeah? I have to say uh, uh, the just city would be uh, uh, a direction. Uh, combined with what uh, young girl uh, uh, putting as a, a pedestrian issue. So everywhere, if you walk around, you can be able to uh, communicate with the cities, you can be able to communicate with the building, you can be able to communicate with the people. I think that would be the, the, the uh, direction, Alistair. I think that's a, an extremely well-argued point. Uh, we thank you very much for that. I mean, I'm 100% in agreement with you, um, having walked um, around Rome, spent an entire week without getting into a motor vehicle, and Rome, you can walk everywhere from a central point. It is a delight to walk around. Paris is a little bit bigger, but you can still do it at a little bit of uh, use of the metro. London, even the central area of London, the parks, everything is accessible. It is um, well planned. And here, um, when the the, the government put in the new uh, pavements, the, the, the trottoirs up and down Tamron and Sudirman. A lot of people rejoiced, but I said, we don't need it because nobody walks from building to building. There is no reason to walk there. So we don't need the same areas. You need to f make the city livable before you make it walkable. And they haven't quite thought that yet. That's very, very well argued. I'm, I'm delighted. Um, that you have done that. Now, we have got a problem with Jakarta because it has become a quite difficult city to, to live in. We've had traffic jams, we have pollution, we have congestion, we have um, waste, we have so many different challenges. So the government came up with a solution to say, let's just abandon Jakarta and take the government and therefore all of the people who work with the government to guess where? Kalimantan. Let's take over 200,000 hectares of Kalimantan and make them into a, a new city. Do you think that's a good idea? Should we have a new capital in East Kalimantan? Or should we yeah, try and make government or Jakarta or better? Are, are afraid uh, of, the, of Jakarta being uh, uh, covered by water, yeah? <laughs> Yes, so, well, that's, an, that's another, sorry, that's the other thing is, of course, the sinking of Jakarta yeah. as well. Yes. So should we, should we have a new capital city, are we, or what do you I, think? I will put myself in a position uh, neither to be pro nor to be contra. Yeah. Uh, it's a good idea of uh, uh, try to build or plan and build a new city nothing wrong with that uh, and also uh, Jakarta being left or not being left 
But I would just uh, uh, come back to my argument. Yes, we can build the new city, we can develop the new city, but please do it with the prioritizing of human. So human oriented has to be the first priority. I uh, read some of the articles of this new uh, uh, Ibu Kota Baru, and I said that uh, to admire the, the government who has tried to uh, put a lot of uh, green area, they are saying that 75% of the whole area will be uh, dedicated for green. So they will put a lot of uh, uh, attention to the environment. But again, without uh, prioritizing human, I would say the city would just be a dead city. So um, when you prioritize uh, uh, cars, the city will full with cars. When you prioritize some other things, the city will be full with some other things. But if you are uh, prioritizing human, the city will be full of human, will be full of people. Yeah. Now um, let's touch about Jakarta. I I. Uh, have a lot of critics uh, towards uh, the street that we have mentioned before Jakarta, in Jakarta, Jalan Tamrin and Jalan Sudirman. Um, measure one, uh, the distance of one building to the other building opposite to it. Yeah, uh, it has about 90 meters. 90 meters is almost uh, the length of a football uh, field. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, to, to be able to cross uh, one from one building to the other building, crossing Jalan Tamriya Sudirman is impossible to cross unless you take uh, the, the uh, um, Jembatan Penyeberangan, yeah? But it is so difficult to, to cross those streets, yeah? Now, uh, then coming back to my question, is the human skill there? Is the human prioritization there? I don't think it's there. So when you walk in Jalan Sudirman, Jalan Tamrin, you feel like a tiny little uh, a creature in the middle of millions of cars. Yeah, I'm exaggerating. It's millions of cars, and the scale of this the uh, walkway, the scales of this the uh, uh, skyscrapers. Yeah, I'm not against the skyscraper. Look at New York. Look at London. Look at Singapore. Or look at other city with the skyscraper. You are still be able to walk comfortably, but not in Jakarta. Now I criticize that because also the the setback issue in Jakarta. Yeah, uh, from the road, then you have the pedestrian, and then you have the pedestrian. They have the setback, and then you arrive to the building. So all those these uh, uh, distancing issue created the uh, the strange the strangest uh, uh, impact to the pedestrian. So when you walk in the city, you walk on uh, Jalan Sudirman, Jalan Tamrin, the distance to the the buildings is so far away. While when you walk uh, in, for example, uh, Fifth Avenue in New York, you will be able just to enter the shops. Uh, to enter any buildings because it's just a, a simply permeable. While here you need to pass through the uh, security if you're lucky, and then you have to pass through the six meter of setback or seven or eight meters back, then you arrive into the building. I'm I'm sure because uh, this building, the, the cities have been planned or this building has been planned to be accessed only by cars, not by human. Now, this is the, the issue of uh, Jakarta, and I hope 
uh, in the new uh, capital city, whatever you want to name it, let's see uh, the cities from a different perspective. We have to admit that in the 1960s, when uh, Jakarta has been developed uh, to the metropolitan, there are certainly the issue of cars. Yeah, uh, the um, mass production of cars has been uh, spread into the entire world, and also Jakarta certainly got the impact. And then we built the city uh, with oriented with the orientation uh, to the cars. Now we were once very proud and very, uh, uh, how to say, uh, uh, delighted to see, wow, such a big boulevard. When I was a little boy and arriving in Jakarta, I was saying, wow, this is what a, what a city is this. And then if you go to uh, uh, other cities in other part of the world, especially in Asia, where uh, the, uh, this uh, uh, development city being built, you will see also this large uh, uh, boulevard issue. But then uh, if you look further to the current situation, how are these cities going to uh, cooperate with the people? It's, it's difficult. That's why we are complaining about the traffic jam. That's why we are complaining about the uh, long commute uh, uh, time from one uh, place to the other place. Once I had uh, uh, used the uh, MRT from uh, Ratu Plaza to uh, Plaza Indonesia, it took me uh, about uh, 10 minutes or 15 minutes with going up and down. And my car who has to follow me, who's supposed to send me to Plaza Indonesia, arrived 20 minutes later. Now, using our logic and common sense, why didn't we need to use the car? Last uh, days I read in the newspaper that they are, the, the municipality uh, of Jakarta are now proposing to increase the uh, parking uh, fee. So it has, it will cost you like 60,000 an hour. Great, let's do that. Yeah, I mean, then you can uh, be able to reduce those cars and the carbon uh, dioxide uh, issue. Yeah, But the government should not also forget to build the other infrastructure because you cannot go into the street without uh, also looking and also uh, uh, repairing and uh, furnishing the other part of the street, yeah, the secondary street, which can come to, uh, 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 which bring you to one area to the other area. So I would say uh, uh, building a city or planning a city is not that easy. Yeah, it's an certain issue of uh, surely the beauty of the city, the nice uh, looking of the city, but there are a lot of social issue. They are the diversity issue. And when you look at Jalan Tambrin, when you walk in uh, on the street, yeah, to all those people coming from the different uh, uh, stratification, feeling comfortable. If I would say uh, those low-income people, do they have the right to the city? Do they have the right to go everywhere in the city? I don't think they, they do have the right, yeah. So uh, the government or the planner should look at this uh, uh, social issue. The social in, uh, justice issue, the social injustice happen 
and taking place everywhere in the cities. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, going back to the to the uh, new uh, ibu kota, I hope the city planning will be able to take more uh, care in terms of. Uh, people in terms of public spaces, in terms of uh, equality issue, in terms of diversity issue. And I would say, why don't the, the government uh, put us all together, yeah, get the people together to discuss uh, about what kind of cities that we need uh, or the people need. Also about Jakarta, when it's been left, yeah. Why don't we gather all these people, the community, the experts, to discuss about what should Jakarta be for the people? When it's being left by the government, are we dying, or is this even a better place to live? Because then we feel more humanized. Yeah. Um, one uh, issue I would like to touch is actually if you look at the. Uh, our ideology. If you look at Pancasila, yeah, Pancasila uh, has been um, called the best, the strong uh, foundation of a, of the state, a great philosophy of a nation, a perfect ideology of a country. And in Pancasila, we do have uh, uh, in these five principles. Uh, issues that I have been mentioning. For example, uh, the diversity issue, the democracy issue, the just and civilized humanity issue, and the uh, social justice for the whole of the people of Indonesia issue. And if we just put all these five uh, principles of uh, Pancasila, yeah, because sometimes we are very nationalist that we don't want to pick uh, uh, theories from other part of the world and claiming that we are the, the most nationalist uh, uh, people in the world. Yeah. So why don't we just look at these five principles of Pancasila and if we apply those uh, or materializing these uh, five principles into the cities, into a planning of cities, I'm sure, Alistair, we will be, uh, be able to arrive to the just city, we will be able to arrive what Ian Gell was mentioning, what uh, worrying uh, uh, Susan, uh, uh, Saskia Sassen, I think our other planners in the other part of the world and also the, the worries of people living in the cities. I think we can beautifully, uh, uh, perfectly arrive to a city with this Pancasila. Um, the problem is that we do not uh, want to, uh, uh, or we don't have the the uh, uh, democracy atmosphere in designing a city. So it's always coming top down. Yeah, it's hardly uh, uh, doing from the bottom uh, uh, or what we call the bottom up. Yeah, if we can combine these these two uh, uh, approaches, I think we will be uh, be able to arrive in beautiful uh, uh, developed cities. Yeah. Um, certainly, we, we will say again that if we involve uh, those people, uh, the community to, to discuss with us, whether they share the same value, whether they share the same uh, uh, education level. Now, this is coming back to what I argued before. 
So before we build the city or while we building the cities, we should actually also building the people. So uh, where is the education of the people? Where is the uh, structure of those people to be in the future? While we only structuring the physical uh, uh, city, we forget about building the human. We forget to building uh, forget to build the society. So then we keep on uh, uh, blaming them and pressing them that they are not uh, sitting at the same level as we are. It is simply because we do nothing for them. So the government has actually come to the conclusion, build the people, yeah, prioritizing the people, build the society, build the community. And at the same time, we plan the city, we build the city. Because otherwise the diversity issue, the, in, the inequality issue will always take place and it will be happening in Indonesia forever and ever. So when you go to a place, uh, if I, sorry, if you go to a place like Bali, you buy a piece of land and develop to become the five stars or six stars hotel, where are those people going? They will just smashing out of the place and then they will just maximum to become manager if they could be, or they just become the cleaner or the gardener and so on. So I think those, uh, uh, um, how to say, those uh, uh, setup has to be to be clearly uh, warned to the government and we're taking seriously to see without building the people, we won't be able to build a city. That is why we invited you, because you're bringing together the whole sociological um, impact of education um, into the, the development of cities, which is what is absolutely needed. P uh, cities are built for people, by people, and really to, to add to the enjoyment of people. They're not built by governments, for governments. And one of the things that we've allowed to happen, of course, why is we build the re return on investment, build something that's so big you get a huge investment. I think we now have over 100 super blocks and malls and, in Jakarta alone, um, which are okay once you get in them, but you can only get to them, as you said, by car. And that is what we've replaced our friendly walking streets with is the mall environment. That's where we walk. Our Fifth Avenue is round the streets of the plazas. Um, we thank you very much indeed for that deep insight. You didn't actually answer whether we should have a new capital or not, which is absolutely <laughs> the right way to go. Who knows what the right answer is? From my perspective, um, I think we should make Jakarta better because otherwise we're abandoning a city in, in some ways and saying we can't do it. And at the same time, we're taking 200,000 hectares of very good arable land and using that for an, an urban environment, which I, we don't need any more urban environments. We need uh, brown developments, not green developments um, mm -hmm. in the future. But your viewpoints are very well taken. Um, you're bringing together the the whole human aspect together with the development aspect. And on behalf of now Indonesia, now Jakarta, now Bali, we'd like to thank you very much. And we hope that you will become uh, one of the people who the government turns to when they look to make Jakarta a better place.
We wish you luck in all you are doing. And we'd like to thank Awi Sha'af very much for being with us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Now Indonesia with me, Alistair Spears. I'll be back with you soon to bring you more interesting people and more interesting subjects on life in Indonesia. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast or even share with a friend if you've enjoyed our discussion today. Thank you and bye for now.